We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out right now, and it's available everywhere else you get your podcast. At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye. Everybody thought that I had lost my mind when I told them I wanted to have our third and final baby at home. I was with you. I just didn't know that you wanted me to get in the water, too. That's when things got a little crazy. Deadass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. When we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take pillow talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts now. So there's nothing more nerve-wracking as a woman than finding out you're pregnant and then thinking about your body having to grow and nurture and sustain an entire human being for nine months. The first thing that came to mind after my first two experiences with Jackson and Cairo was, you know what? I think I could do this joint at home. Let me find someone who will be able to work with me, who will learn my body and allow me the opportunity to have my baby at home. Because that way I can call the shots. I would be able to document our entire birth story, which was great as a vlogger. Yes. And I will will be able to have a bunch of family around and be in an environment where naturally I can bring this baby into the world the way the body is supposed to do it. Yeah. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Not me. <laughs> With the exception of DeVal. I think I mean. he was the only person that said, you know what, baby, you could do it. Because after having the experience I had in the hospital with Jackson, which was a really traumatic experience right. being induced, and then having Cairo pretty much in the car on almost on my own, I felt like, you know what, my body was made to do this. Yes. And as long as I do my due diligence and do my research... And find a midwife who was able to help me on this journey. It's all good. So you have my baby. And it means so much to me. I did that joint three times. Three times. There's nothing more precious (laughs) than to raise a family. Now my baby is born healthy and strong. And a pool in my bedroom. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Our dreams Let me are tell you something. reality. I love Jodeci, but you cannot sing with Jodeci. I can't. You cannot I'm, sing. My voice is not made to sing with Jodeci. No. You Ain't no, nobody, uh, nobody I think you should can. be scared if I started to sound like Casey or JoJo. I would. I would be scared. Or any of the other guys in but that But there's that certain group. people that you just cannot sing with. Even in oh, karaoke. Even you? Even they, even me. No, you're right. Even karaoke. Like, I would never just, try to sing like no. with Whitney. Like there's certain songs that just need to be exempt from like karaoke because yeah. you can't compete. No, you can't compete. You're just gonna damage these people's songs. But the words, they right? mean everything. It's yes, like a little yes, poem. Yes. But yes, that was that was it. 
I had your baby. Yes, yeah. Three whole times, Deval. Three whole times. Oh, man. I mean, pregnancy, labor, delivery, childbirth. It's funny because when I talk to my friends, even prior to having children, or even just talking to people who are thinking about having children, you always wonder, like, when is the right time to do it? You know, you try to prepare everything. There is no right time. And there is no right time. No. No. But there is nothing, for me at least, more nerve-wracking than actually finding out you're pregnant and thinking like, oh my goodness, I want to do everything in my power to ensure that I'm doing my part to ensure that this baby grows healthily and I'm healthy in the process. Is that a word, healthily? 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 Is it? I think you, you know, just I'm, made I'm, that up. You I'm, like making I'm up keep words. Waking up words. <laughs> Healthily. Right. I'm gonna have my own dictionary soon. You know how this is the urban dictionary and whatnot? Yes. I'm gonna have a dictionary soon. <laughs> but anywho, um, so today we're talking uh pregnancy, we're talking labor, we're talking delivery, we're talking self-care, women's rights, and we're talking all about that good stuff. Why this is important to not only you as a mm-hmm. woman, but me as your life partner. Absolutely. And the person that got you pregnant three whole times. Because it's a team effort. And it was important to me after uh, our first situation with Jackson and you being induced and having a rush into surgery. It became real to me that you can lose, you know, your your wife Absolutely. on that table. Yep. So it became very, very important to me. So And it's important as well to speak about the rate yes. of women, particularly black women, um, dying during childbirth. Yes. You know, through complications, before, during, or after. Yes. So it's a very necessary conversation to have. And of course, I had to bring in a special guest today. Yes. Who has literally become a part of our family. Yes, she is family. Whether she likes it or not, this was not just going to be, you know, a couple months journey. Yeah, we didn't ask her if she wanted to be part of our family. We didn't ask her. We got it crazy, you know. However, I'm not trying to keep her in business solely by myself. So I will refer (laughs) her. I am. (laughs) I will refer her. But Takia Ballard is in the house today with us. Yes, and she Takiya. was my midwife. Yes. Um, she was a source of strength and knowledge for me as yes. I went through um, the latter half of my pregnancy with Kaz, um, straight through labor, delivery, postpartum. And still now we talk. And um, yeah, Takia, I talk a lot. Yeah, we talk. We talk. You know, I, I told her. I said, you know, I, I need a dose of you every now and again. You know, I need a dose of you. I, I kind of get jealous once in a while because I'm you like, shouldn't. you know what? As much as y'all talk, I should just get you <laughs> pregnant again. You know, Shoot. if you want to be involved in the process, right? You know, I, yeah, I, I, that's the only way I can be involved but in the process. I will say that Takia was all, also responsible for the insertion of my IUD. So <laughs> that being said, yeah, I don't oh, know about man. all that. Hi, Takia. Hello. How are you? I am great. Oh my goodness! Thank you, guys. I'm so happy. That you're I'm here excited. Today. It's just yes. a pleasure to see you too. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and for ensuring that no babies were going to be born yes. this month, so you wouldn't have to rush out of here. <laughs> Absolutely. Because at any time, these babies just be doing they what they like, want to do and yes. know how. They right? sure do, and they they don't care if the midwife wants a life. <laughs> <laughs> They We've come whenever, about that. whenever yes. they want. Right. Yeah. Takia reminds me of, I grew up watching the Cosbys. Uh-huh. And you know how <laughs> Bill used to get the call in the middle of the episode? Yeah. And then you hear how far apart of the contractions. Yes, right. I remember All those right. episodes. I, right. I remember when we were going through it, we were timing it, and we were like, I think we need to call Takia. <laughs> it just reminded me of like you being on the other side of the phone asking how mm-hmm. far apart of the contractions. Absolutely. Okay. But it's, it's insane how in tune you were with my body. Mm-hmm. It was around Thanksgiving time. Yes. yes. I was due December 13th. 
I knew that you probably I wasn't going to last past 37 weeks because I've yeah. had all of my children within 37 weeks. And I remember Takia saying, enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner because this baby will probably not last through the weekend. Yep. <laughs> and so yeah. said, so done. It was Sunday evening yep. yeah. and my water broke at 1145 p.m. I was like. She just be knowing, knowing. No, that's why you're <laughs> she amazing literally at what you do. Knew. She just knew my body to a T, and that is such a gift. Yes. Um, so, Takia, tell us or explain um, what is a midwife mm-hmm. and why you decided to become one. So, um, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what midwives are. Midwives are women. Predominantly, there are male midwives, but predominantly women since the beginning of time we've been existing. Since there have been people on this planet, midwives have existed through all cultures, through all, uh, you know, ages. Women Mm -hmm. have been with women having babies. And so, midwife means with women. And um, more recently, midwives have been um, sort of Having to go through the the, the natural or the, the medical channels or the political channels in order to be licensed, you know, certified and things like that in order to become a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, we were lay midwives. So we were midwives that learned from our the midwife before us. Um, okay. A lot of times you saw that in the black community mm-hmm. uh, and during slavery times, you saw midwives learning from other midwives right. in an apprentice style format. Gotcha. Right. And so because um, with the establishment of laws and the, the medical community, Community, what ended up happening, those midwives weren't uneducated, didn't really know how to read and write. And those midwives were sort of pushed out of this out off to the side because they were told that they had to be licensed or pass certain examinations so and things like that. Even if they knew exactly what to do. Absolutely. Now, can you talk a little bit about that? Because uh-huh. Kadeen and I always talk about the institution and how the institution is created for the bottom line. It is. So a lot of times all of these laws and the things they create is pretty much to make a bottom line so they can mm-hmm. make money. Can you talk Absolutely. a little bit about that? Yeah. So because midwives, especially in areas that were really remote from major hospitals and things like that, were predominantly served by community midwives. And so as hospitals were being established and built in those areas, what they decided to do was try to pull those resources or those families, those patients who were going to the local midwife right. and pull them into the hospital. And so they made the hospital setting glamorous so that people like us, you know, would want to go to the hospital because it was ah. the better care. Ah. Um, I and, learned some of this in the business of yeah, childbirth. I watched right, the documentary. Right. right. So, so pregnancy and birth is big business. And if you know um, any hospital that does not have a labor and delivery ward, they're usually on the lower end of, of capital. Absolutely. Um, and so the labor and delivery areas are the money makers for those hospitals. So if they are pushing out a lot of babies, mm. that hospital is a big time hospital in that particular community. Mm. And so what was happening is that those midwives were then being told that you had to be licensed or you had to go through certain criteria in order to be, you know, licensed by the state. And if you practice midwifery, now you're, you know, you're going against the law and right. you could be arrested. Um, and, and, and think of, think of, I'm not to cut you off again, mm-hmm. but think about that and think about everything that's going on now in the country right? with abortion laws. You just said childbirth mm-hmm. is one of the biggest businesses in the country. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you eliminate the ability to have abortions, Absolutely. you just increase the You've bottom line. You just increase line. the bottom line. You see what yeah. I'm saying? There we go. Yeah. Well, go ahead. There you yeah. go. Makes perfect so, sense. And so that's what was happening. And midwives were losing their jobs. They were losing their ability to practice. And women were now seeking hospitals because they were told that it was better to have your care there. Uh-huh. Uh, there you yeah. go. So they made it seem as if midwifery was some sort of antiquated 
right. you know, archaic, archaic thing that she did. Right, right, right. So, from uneducated women. There you are. So just because that woman did not know how to read and write per se did not mean that that woman wasn't an absolutely grand midwife. Right. But isn't that always how America does things? First, you dehumanize Absolutely. someone or dehumanize mm-hmm. what they do. What they do. Then you criminalize, criminalize it. it. Right. And then once you criminalize it, you right. get people to believe that it's against it's the law against to the do law. that. Absolutely. So now I have to spend money. That's pretty right. much the American That's way. That's the American That's way. That's the American way. That's absolutely you know? the and way. And what we want to be careful to do is not to take away from doctors who do go to school right. and you know, right. do their formal education right. because, of course, they're, that's necessary. Right. Absolutely. That's absolutely. necessary. Right. But today we particularly want to speak about midwifery mm-hmm. and the options that women do have right. now. Right, right. Um, and it's funny we also mentioned you know, the processes that take place because how do you get paid as a midwife? Mm-hmm. Do insurance companies recognize you as... Mm-hmm. You know, right. someone who's delivering a baby and pay you accordingly. Right. right. I, I know you've had to jump through hoops. Even I just jump with, through hoops with, every day. Yeah. Just to just to get your fear Which is crazy. shot. Yeah. You know, so talk a little bit about maybe even obstacles now that, yeah. you know, you, you are a midwife and you're you're having to um, get certain certifications and certain guidelines mm-hmm. that have to be, mm-hmm. you know, you have to ensure that you have. How does that now, how do you have to continue to fight? So one of the biggest reasons why I'm jumping through hoops and most midwives like me are jumping through hoops is because we're not seen as equal um, practitioners. Um, Most people would would, um, classify us as mid-level providers, which basically means that there's someone supervising us. There's a doctor that's supervising us. And a lot of states, particularly New York State, says that we don't have to have a supervising physician over Mm -hmm. us or dictating to us what to do, that Mm -hmm. we are independent providers. And just like you would go to see a primary doctor for chest pain and that primary doctor would maybe send you to a cardiologist to rule out a cart right. or a heart condition. So referral based. I would yeah. refer you to someone if it's outside of my scope of practice but still be able to take care of the pregnancy. Right. That's the way that a midwife you know works and is licensed to work within the state of, of New York. However there are insurance companies that are national and so these insurance companies have specific you know um, requirements. There are hospitals as well and they look at us as mid-level And so they say that there has to be a physician over us telling us what to do or supervising our role. And so when you get into those those dynamics or that hierarchy structure and it's in place everywhere, that's one of the biggest hoops that we have to to jump over because we can't, you know, not necessarily get malpractice insurance as a problem because we have to have a supervising physician. However, the state of New York says that we don't, you know, we can practice independently. If we want to get into the hospital, they want to know who's our supervising physician who's your you know your physician that you work with those right. are those are some of the things and then with in terms of reimbursement some insurance companies will not reimburse because we don't have a collaborative physician or a doctor on paper which is crazy. Or they won't even approve a home Which birth is crazy. For that what was the reason? issue with our insurance? Pretty much that. You yeah. Know, that that they, they felt as if she was not quali- or classified as a caregiver in that sense. And then they mm-hmm. tell us we had too many, we had babies too, <laughs> oh, too yeah, close together. Too. Yeah. Because like, yeah, yeah. like, oh, Kazi and, yeah, yeah. and uh, Cairo were close together. Right. I was like, so now, now you're going to dictate when I can have children? It's crazy. Yes. We've spoken about this in the past, how you feel like this is your purpose. Yes. It's God my calling. has pretty much called you to say, yeah. this is what you are going uh-huh. to do. So, Well, her birth story was 
crazy. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, yeah. like, how yeah. did you get to here? Like, with all the hoops that you continue to have to jump right. through, you you always show up with a smile on your face, <laughs> and it, right. it is about the women, it's uh-huh. about the families, right. it's about these children. What inspired you, and how do you stay inspired? So it was my own birth story that inspired me. Um, I became a mother at 20. Mm-hmm. I was a college student at Syracuse University. I had just lost my father a year and a half before that, and in the same year, lost my, my dad, and I was just looking for love in all the wrong places, and ended up getting pregnant and mm-hmm. had my son in college. Okay. Um, and when I started school, you know, I never thought that that would be something that I would be doing, you know, right. having a baby, having trying a baby. To, right. right, trying to go to school. And so I ended up just staying focused and I said, you know what, I'm not going to let this, you know, change my direction. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do. I'm going to have my child, you know, and and I couldn't see myself having an abortion just because I had just so much loss, you know, right. recently. Right. And so I decided, you know, even though everyone in my corner, every person, every person in my family was telling me I needed to have an abortion, I decided not to. And so I had to figure out just me and me, <laughs> you know, how right. I was yeah. going to get this done. And so I went and I asked my um, my guidance counselor, you know, for advice. They really didn't have anything. They suggested I, you know, finish school later, you know, delay things. Right. And I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. So I went to the dean and got special permission to take extra credits the there semester that I was there pregnant. So I think I ended up taking like 22 or something like that or Ooh. 24 credits, which is like that's literally unheard, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. unheard that's a of load. when I was pregnant. Um, got on med- Medicaid, got on welfare, did the whole thing, got into family housing. Mm-hmm. And it so happened that while I was in school, I was obviously studying to be a nurse. And that particular semester that I was pregnant, I was studying maternal child nursing. Mm. So my textbook became my childbirth education. Wow. As I was growing Simultaneously. life. Right. As I was growing life, I was learning about you know, how life is formed and, and developed and so on and so forth. And so I remember going to Lamaze class and just not really focusing because I had so much on my plate, so much to do, so much right. heavy burden, you right. know, to, to live through. And so eventually I invited two of my girlfriends to be my support. My son's father was, a, and a, I mean, a, a football player. So there was no, and I'm sure you understand, Deval, there was no not coming to practice. Yeah, he was, was at Syracuse. Yeah, he was at Division Syracuse. Athlete. Yeah, yeah. So. there was no not coming to practice. So we didn't know if he was going to be able to be a part of the birth. And so I remember the morning I went into labor and um, I called my girlfriends. They drove me to the hospital. I called him and he's like, I got to go. I got to go. And it was Coach P at the time. That was his coach. He's like, he's not going to let me out. So he went to his practice and some of his guy friends, you know, drove him when he got done. And he got there just on t- in time. But before when I got to the hospital, I realized that the nurse that was there was actually my instructor. Mm. And... I saw her face and I saw, you know, who she, who she was. And I didn't, you know, I just was in labor, so I didn't think anything wow. of it. It turns out that she ended up taking me as a patient. Um, and she worked, walked me to the Whirlpool. Wait, so you're, you're, you're Syracuse instructor. My yeah. Syracuse instructor. Wow. Ended wow. up being my my Talk about labor. I know it was uh. in, it was insane, insane miracles like that whole entire day, and so she put me into a jacuzzi room, like a whirlpool. And at this time, my son is twenty two years old. So at this time, they weren't doing water births per right. se, but they allowed you to labor in water. She left me in there the entire time. I don't even recall a time that they really even listened to the baby a lot. She, just like how I did for you, Kadeem, just yes. putting a Doppler on my belly and bought, leaving me free to manage my control. Attractions and I didn't ask for those things. She just willingly did it for me. Wow. And then when it was time for me to have the baby, um, I kept saying I had to push. And she 
said, okay, it's time to get out. And so she walked me to my room. And at this time, I remember one of the biggest things I remember was um, that the room seemed so far away. It was right. only just a few, <laughs> a few doors. That hallway was long. <laughs> yeah. It seemed so I far away. And there was this young guy in the hall, and he had on a white jacket. And I walked up to him in labor. And I'm like, just help me. They won't help me. And he's like, ma'am, I'm the candy striper. Like, I, I don't know who you are. Please, please. Stop, stop choking me. I'm like holding on to his lap coat. Like, help me, please. That's so my, the nurse is like, no, it's okay. You could do it, you know. So she walks me to the room, and I'm like having to push the entire time. And long story short, I got into the bed, and two pushes, my son was born. And it so happened as I was walking into the room and as I was beginning to push, his dad ran down the hall and came into the room. So it was oh, it was divine. Like it was divine was for that all of us to be, you Sounds know, like to have movie, this week. It? it really does. <laughs> we need to talk about that. The way the yeah. brain is set up for uh, shows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you totally yeah. Do that. You got to Hollywoodize it. Like you should be, you'll, you'll be in the hallway. The hallway will be really long. Uh-huh. You know, they, somebody <laughs> got locked out. Here comes you're the father. Have a bunch of flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He dies and catches the baby. And he's a receiver too. So yeah, yeah. Dives and catches the baby right before he's to ground. Right. So, um, but I think what I took away from that moment was somebody watched out for me and I didn't have to ask. She she could yes. tell me, she can, you know, anticipate my needs. Yes. And I didn't have to mention or say a word. Yes. And the fact that she basically ushered me into motherhood and allowed me to walk while she walked alongside me meant the world to wow. me. She didn't and take over. She didn't she didn't do anything to take over. She allowed me and I didn't even know I needed that. Right. I didn't even know that I could ask for that. But right. she gave it to me willingly. Right. And I never really got an opportunity to talk to her about it because then life went on and I was just, you know, right. I was at the end. Of, it was at the end of the semester. Mm-hmm. So um, I had him during the week of finals. And, I, you know, as soon as I was discharged, I went to finals and was breastfeeding while I was in finals. So I really never wow. had the wow. chance to go back to her and say thank you or to ask her why. Right. But, I, you know, it, it stuck with me, you know, and that was the beginning of my journey to be a mother to this young man. Mm-hmm. And I went into nursing, but something was missing. I I was working as a nurse, but something was missing. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to go to midwifery school because during that time, I also heard there was a a woman who came to talk to us about just advanced practice nursing. Mm -hmm. And at that time, midwifery was sort of new, you know, as an advanced practice um, modality within the department or the organizational piece of nursing. And so we learned about midwifery and I thought, wow, that would be something I would love to do. First of all, because I... um, I think I have leadership quality, so I'm a leader by nature. And so to, just to be a nurse wasn't something that I think I would have been right. complete with. Right. And so I wanted to do something you a little bit more. It. Yeah. Right. And so um, I went back to school, and when I became a midwife, I was like, wow, this is, this is what I want to do. But then just to be a midwife and being in the act of, the mid, of a midwife, it allowed me to start paying it forward. You know, I wanted to always make my my life's work mean something. Well, that's Deposit so greatness. Said, that's so why done. it worked with with us because we yes. always talk about the same thing. We always talk about paying it forward. We have paid forward in the gym wall right. that mm-hmm. we own. We always talk about legacy, right. mm-hmm. um, building a legacy and an but empire. Yeah, you're hearing your story just sounds the exact opposite to what you hear from so many women of it color is. in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about the mortality rates and why? Mm-hmm. Midwifery is so important to you. Right. Because mm-hmm. we hear now in the country, you know, a right. black woman is four times more likely to die 
on that table. The the morbidity and mortality rates for infants that are Black infants and also for mothers have not changed. They've been like that for years. The only reason why it's becoming more um, recognized in the community is because it touched the lives of people like Serena Williams and people, you know, like uh, Dr. Hackett's daughter, Kira. Um, It's touched people's lives whose voices are maybe bigger than the the woman who lives in Brooklyn, New York on on Flatbush Avenue. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And in the social media age where now we have right. access to that. And now we yes. have access to that. So those types of things are coming out and becoming more um, vibrant in the community in terms of being recognized. Um, so this has always been a problem. Um, but the reason why these things are happening are for, you know, because of many reasons. The biggest one, obviously, is racism. Mm-hmm. And racism exists in the hospital structure. Mm. It hugely exists. There's implicit biases that will allow a, a practitioner to assume something of a woman without because, their, they look because of a how, way. Right, right, because mm-hmm. she looks a certain way. They'll assume her her um, status, you know, who she is, what kind of money she has, her, wish, insurance. her insurance, all of that, just by the way she looks. And then that dictates how they care the for care. that person. Right. Um, and so this is happening where we're, you know, on the front lines of the hospital. And so a majority of these, st- these stats are not from home births. They're not from birth center births. These right. stats are from, from hospital, hospital births. And so I people, think it's important you say that, though. Yeah. yeah. Like As we talked about institutions, I feel like sometimes people get in their own way and their entitlement allows them to trust the institution. Oh, they're not going to do this to me. Right. No, they will. Yeah. And, and it's not just hospitals. It's any institution any because institution. The, the institution only cares about the bottom line and Absolutely. the institution. Absolutely. So most people walk into institutions believing like, oh, they won't do this to me. Right. I see it at schools, mm-hmm. colleges, mm-hmm. Uh, un- not only universities, uh, professional sports. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, they're going to take care of me because no. I'm me. No, no, no. 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 Absolutely going to take care of themselves. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And Absolutely. thinking about even things that are dictated, when I was pregnant with Jackson, the first OBGYN who I saw, I remember speaking with a nurse who worked in the hospital that he was affiliated with. And I said, hey, what do you think of Dr. So-and-so? And my mom just so happened to know her as well because the nursing world is small. Very small mm-hmm. yeah. And she said, if you want a good surgeon, you can stick with him. Wow. His C-section rate was something like 60-something percent. Wow. She said he was very impatient, didn't like to wait labor out. And what happens with a C-section versus a, a natural delivery? Yeah. More money. More money. More money. More money. More money. It's just crazy how that's already a preconceived idea like, oh, she needs a C-section? Great. Let's just go ahead and cut her because there's a bigger and the bottom care, line. the care with your epidural. This woman that was sticking Kadeem with this needle did ha- she had no care at all. Yeah. It was almost like she was stabbing her, mm-hmm. and she had she had to get stuck three times, and and it almost seemed like she didn't care. Like she just you know she kept and then she pulled it out. And she said, she's moving. Mm-hmm. I'm like she's not moving. And yeah. we we were young. We were young at the time. We looked young. They probably felt like oh here's this young couple. Right. They sized who, you up before you even. You know even, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't have right. my wedding ring on because I came from the gym. Literally. And I looked like I was about 17. Right. So they probably automatically felt like oh whatever. Right. And that's how they, you know she was treated with the epidural and that experience to me was just. Meanwhile, I, I, man, I was so on the mad. flip side with Takia, <laughs> when I'm in labor with Kaz, out of my peripheral, I could see that she was watching me. And you knew exactly what my body was doing mm-hmm. without me having to say it. Yes. That's how in tune you were and how invested you were in the process. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the pool 
And you knew, and you, for however you knew, it was about to be that time. She's like, let's go to the pool. I'm like, okay. First of all, that's not, <laughs> let's go to the pool. That's not Takia's voice. Okay? That's not her True. voice. We Takia's to, voice the whole it time was so tranquil. Was like, it was amazing. How are you feeling, Kadeem? <laughs> <laughs> and I was saying to myself, like, well, we got five more hours. She going to talk like this the whole time. <laughs> Takia spoke like that she the She literally whole was like, time. Lis- listen to my voice. <laughs> Tune everything else out because we had the the family was there. Yes. There were a bunch of people, yes. you know. So she wanted to ensure she was always making sure I was okay. She was like, Kadina, at any point, if you want everyone to clear this room, you let me know. You are the boss, and I'm like, okay. And I remember the point where I was like, can you please tell me when I have to push because I, I was deathly this. afraid. <laughs> I was deathly afraid of tearing, and she was like. You tell you're me. You're gonna you tell to me. Pay. You're gonna have to tell me. And I, was like, I don't want to tell you, Takia. I want you to tell me what to do. And, and then the next like, breath, you were like, Ugh. "Yeah." That, I was sitting back there looking at both she of y'all. Was like, like, listen to your body. So, your body will tell you. Y'all were asking questions. I didn't know what to do. I'm holding your shoulder, and then you asked her. You were just like, "You gonna tell me when to push, right?" She was like, "You're gonna tell me when to push." I'm like, "Somebody better tell somebody when to push." Because I'm going to have to catch this baby when it come out. And I was just, I was just trying she to sit just there and look. She knew. And it was amazing how I was, I literally heard nothing but Takia's voice. Like, music was playing. My mm-hmm. sister, you guys were having a conversation. And I heard nothing but Takia's voice. We were arguing about the flowers she that knew. your mom threw into the water when she wasn't supposed to <laughs> okay, throw the flowers. Okay, y'all, y'all not going good on my girl with the flowers. <laughs> oh, my the goodness. The flowers were beautiful. Oh, my goodness. If y'all had Cassie caught... had one on his forehead. But the... <laughs> she, she, she sprinkled the flowers in there like a flower she girl. She sure did. On her way out, she's like, here you go. Oh, it was like, beautiful. If y'all haven't caught that vlog, you have to. You have yes. to go on yes. our YouTube channel and you can catch um, Kaz's amazing home birth. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So much information here. So, um, all right, Takia. So, tell me, if you're planning to have a child, if a mm-hmm. woman is planning to have a child, um, how do you choose the birthing plan that's best for you? What are some of the, like, guidelines? What do you think people who are researching midwifery mm-hmm. um, or finding a midwife who may work for them, what are some of the pros and cons? Just give me, like, a whole, like, little mm-hmm. bit about what people The biggest thing that I think that women struggle with is that they wait too long. Mm-hmm. Some women decide to get married and they take a year plus to to plan a wedding. They take a year plus to plan a vacation, but wait until they're pregnant to figure out what they're going to do. Wow. Mm. Wow. And so if women, especially more specifically black women, because we're the ones out there dying at a faster rate than any other race, if you want to have a better outcome, you need to start when you know you want to get pregnant and have a preconception counseling, you know, visit with a provider, interview people, just like you're trying on a new pair of shoes, you need to go and try people out and see whether they fit or not. Because if they don't fit and they're rubbing you wrong, you need to go find you another provider. Absolutely. And so you're going to need time to do that. The other thing that women need to do is understand their benefit, understand their insurance. A lot of people, especially if they're employed, get insurance through their employers. And so they're usually looking at how much is coming out my check. (laughs) That's me. They ain't looking at (laughs) what... They're not looking at what the benefit is, you know, what does it pay for, what do I have to pay out of pocket, do I have some, you know, wiggle room with choosing providers, can I choose whoever I want, out of network, in network, all of those things need to be looked at, and, you know, deductibles, coinsurances, all of that needs to be looked at because eventually it's going to affect you for things like childbirth. Absolutely. Um, I think about John Q., 
That's oh, one that, of my yeah. favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it wasn't until something happened yeah. that he actually looked at his insurance papers right. and said, "Y'all won't cover this. Right. You've been mm-hmm. taking this, but it doesn't cover." And right. that happens mm-hmm. as, as every a day. So many red happens. lines. So many red right. lines. Every day it happens. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. one of the biggest things is just understanding that, and then know that there because the the system is rigged and it doesn't support, for example, home birth, mm-hmm. then it's going to be a challenge. And usually home birth requires some out-of-pocket payments because the insurance is not going to cover it all for many, many reasons that mm-hmm. we don't have time to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we found that out. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so there has to be some type of money put aside. Yes, financial if planning. Right. If you're planning. To go that if route. you're just deciding to go that route. Right. If a woman is just deciding, you know, she wants to have a baby, she really doesn't know where she wants to go. First is First and foremost is to look and see what the hospital stats are throughout the city or the community and where you're living. So there is a baby friendly initiative and they have a website so you can go on their website and see who's been who's in what particular status of their baby friendly designation. Um, you can simply call the hospital itself and ask the hospital, are they baby friendly designated? Um, oh. Because once they're designated, they're going to preach it to the, to the masses because yes. they want people to come. To so come. that's right. that's public information. Okay. The other thing in terms of the stats of the hospital, that is also pretty public. So if you just look up stats in the state, you know, or the area that you live in for the hospitals, a lot of times people are keeping those stats. Larger organizations are keeping those stats. And so it's pretty easy to also get that. If they have a high C-section rate, don't go there. If they're not baby-friendly, don't go there. Baby-friendly means that they're going to, you know, take time and try to push for more of a natural birth. More specifically, though, it's that they're going to provide skin-to-skin contact for the baby immediately after birth. A lot of times they'll delay cord clamping so that the baby gets the blood, you know, um, from the placenta placenta right right after birth. Mm -hmm. And usually baby-friendly also includes that they are not going to provide formula as the base of nutrition for the baby, but that would only be used as needed right. um, okay. or as a doctor's order. So, so that's promoting what a, breastfeeding. Per, promoting breastfeeding. So if a woman wants a more natural birth, a, a birth where she's going to have those things for the baby, then she needs to choose um, a hospital that is baby-friendly. Okay. Um, but then more, more importantly is trying to find a good provider, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a midwife, but there needs to be a good provider, a person who listens, a person who gives you their time, a person who doesn't judge you, a person who gives you information and true informed consent. And informed consent means letting the person know what their options are, risks, benefits, and removing yourself from their decision. Mm. So so I have a question. We asked is everyone a good candidate for home birthing? Because people ask me that. I have men. Yes. Men contact me all the time. Really? And say, yes. Well, they either watch the vlog or they've uh-huh. heard about Kadeen and I's story. Yeah. Right. And they're concerned. They're like, I want to make sure that my wife or my girlfriend Absolutely. has the best chance to bring a baby in the world healthy. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend um, home births? And, I, right. and I'm the first one that said, listen, I don't know enough mm-hmm. about it right. to right. give case you an example. Case right. right. It is. Mm-hmm. So is anyone a candidate for home birthing well, or is it? Most majority of women are because majority of women are healthy. So if there's no comorbidities like diabetes, heart condition or anything like that, and a woman hasn't had any prior uterine surgeries, she's a candidate for a home birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then, of course, you have to have a healthy pregnancy, right? Right. So as long as the pregnancy is healthy, then you have a low-risk mother and a low-risk pregnancy. Okay. So a woman who fits those categories certainly can have a home birth. That's okay. amazing. Right. It's nine times out of ten, more women are are not at risk and can have a home birth mm-hmm. than there are people who are at risk. That's good Very to know. Very nice. Good awesome. To know. And before we wrap, really quickly, uh-huh. um, 
midwife versus doula. Sometimes people think they're the same yes. thing. They're not, but they aren't. They are not. They're not. Yes, doulas are basically um, providers or, 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 you know, a friend or a family member or someone Like me, who, I'm a doula. <laughs> doula dad. I'm a doula dad. <laughs> I do both. But Dual, a doula but. has, like, certification or they've gone through some extra training to learn how to be a companion in birth. Their responsibility is to advocate. Their responsibility is to educate um, and to support a woman during during birth, emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, all of those things. That's and even and postpartum. And postpartum. Helping, assisting. Right, assisting. And sometimes doulas um, have extra, you know, uh, certifications, like they might be a lactation counselor. I'm not a doula. They, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know nothing they about might, lactation. They might, you know, do massage <laughs> or Reiki and so, certain other things. And so right. they, it adds to their, you okay. know, qualifications. The entire, and the birthing experience. And their birth, right, right. Gotcha. So that's what, it, but a doula does not have scientific medical midwifery education to actually be to manage a pregnancy deliver a baby and manage the postpartum. Gotcha. That is only someone, a midwife or, you know, or a doctor. Gotcha. Like my sister, I feel like, was a doula for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Being there, rubbing my back, mm-hmm. seeing if I needed anything. Yep. Putting the flexi straw right. in the drink so right. I was good. You right. see she skipped Things over like me. That. I think you so. You see she skipped you over see, me. You're, you're, you're someone that she could not replace. <laughs> Ever. 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 All those little forehead kisses you gave me. I yes. was like, oh. I mean, and I, put like, the I didn't feel any there. of it. Right. I put the baby you're priceless. You're priceless. Tiki, I feel like we could talk so much more about this. We're going to have to have you back on season two or three. Oh, yeah. definitely. We'll definitely about have more. you on. Well, where can people yeah. find you? Yeah. Tell well, us a little I'm bit. predominantly serving the Queens and um, Nassau counties. My email is midwife at sakinamidwifery.com. And your Instagram okay. as well. I know you normally post, you know, yeah. some tips and tricks. I try. And you try to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a yeah. one woman show. So I'm really needing to figure out that whole social media thing. Right. And um, so, yeah, I can be found on Instagram as well at sakinamidwifery. Sounds great. Okay. And don't know everybody um, bombard her with, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> don't bombard Takia because she's busy out here serving the community and delivering <laughs> why, why are you hating on Takia? Uh, I'm jealous. I'm not, you know. But I want to thank you guys because you guys really, really did the community uh, uh, such a service by vlogging your birth because yes. it allowed women to know and families to know that they have a choice and in it you did it with humor and, and finesse and grace and just like you guys do thank you for saying that thank you for saying that just like you guys do you know and it was classy and it was well you know well done but the fact that people could see that you could do this this yes. way and you have autonomy at yes. the end of the day completely Absolutely. your choice is, is the one that's respected All right, coming up, we're going to get into some listener letters, but after these ads. This for the record. There it is, a win for the ages. Tiger Woods is one of our most awe-inspiring sports icons. And his story, it comes with many chapters. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. But here it is. The return to glory. This is All American, a new series from Stitcher, hosted by me, Jordan Bell. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind. And this season, with the help of journalist Albert Chen, we're asking... What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? 
All-American Tiger is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. All right, so it's super important to have these conversations for so many reasons um, about women's health and, you know, what we have rights to and whatnot and all that. But we're going to switch gears and let's get into these listener letters. Come on, babe. Go ahead and read this first one. Whoever sent this letter. Y'all be sending dissertations. Wrote a book. uh, uh, Sonnets. Let me see if I can get through this. Question one. (laughs) All right. I've been in New York City for the entirety of my adult life and have grown to love the area, people, and lifestyle. And I'm entirely cognizant of how unique and different Brooklyn is. The subway, $2 cabs, people in a rush, and the way we talk to each other can be jarring and so many questions. What ways can you help your spouse enjoy where you live and be it be- <laughs> and make it become her home? So pretty much he a Brooklyn dude <laughs> that probably got somebody from down south like, I ain't used to this. Just some background. She's born, bred, and bleeds Pittsburgh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Her family is from the South. Just like say you that. said. Uh-huh. South Carolina, just like my family, Orangeburg, stand uh-huh. up, to be exact. So there are a lot of polite, charming, very appropriate undertones that make up the best parts of her, but I think also makes her disgusted with New York. Mm. Understandable. Totally. I figured you both are in unique positions, having traveled and moved a lot, and also that you're both from Brooklyn. Ah, you're asking two people who live, die, breathe. Yes. Tell your fiancé to just man up, man son. Man up. Get with it, yo. Man up, B. Dead ass. Like, dead ass. What's the problem? Stop waving at everybody you see. They don't know you. <laughs> Develop an ice grill. <laughs> uh, Develop this term right here. What you looking at? Right. What you looking at? Right. Nah, no. Don't do that. I, don't you might get don't hurt. do that. You might get hurt. I mean, New York is a lot, though. <laughs> it is New a lot. York is a lot for people who are not from here. In part, why, too? We're just like, maybe we need to spread our wings and fly and maybe head to a different location. You know, New York is specific for people, I think, depending on the, the point you are at life, too. Like, we now have right. three children. You know, we want some more space. So is Brooklyn necessarily the way for us still? Um, I don't know. This is my thing, though. He he. They don't have kids. He right. said he's just trying to get his his country mm-hmm. southern belle to get right. accustomed to Brooklyn. Right. Here's the biggest thing. Even though I'm from Brooklyn, I still have a lot of my country family morals. I speak to everybody in my neighborhood. Kadeen laughs he at me because I walk by. He really does. And when I see people I don't know, what's good, bro? What's good, boss? How's everybody doing? Hey there, fellas. And this is what's funny, right? People respect you in the community when you talk to them. Very true. Also, it's a way for you to eliminate that awkwardness where people think you soft. Because <laughs> when you walk by people and you look down or you look away, then they're like, oh, he a sucker. Right. But then if you ice grill them. Or you become like kind of like a target. You right, you like, become a target. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Or you seem unaware if you look mm-hmm. away. Or if you look him in the eye and you say nothing, then it's like, yo, what's his problem? What's the problem? Right. It's very simple. You speak to people. I feel like it would just be great across the board if we can just walk past somebody and just give a nod or give a smile. It, it just doesn't seem to be the New York way of life. You, but, but you can. For me, it is. I say hello to everybody. Right. I say hello. It'd be, it'd be a group of young teens, young dudes. They look they look like they're ready to do something to somebody. You walk by, it was good, fellas. You know what they'd be like? What's up? What's up, OG? Because you're like an OG now in the hood. They don't call me OG. They call you OG. I'm not that old. You are a hater. They be calling DeVal OG. Don't be upset. (laughs) They sure do. But I also think it has a lot to do with our upbringing. Think about it. Like my family with West Indian roots, your family with Southern roots, hospitality, you know, saying hello to somebody like in the the West Indies or, or, you know, in the islands, you can't walk past somebody and not not say say hello, hello, good morning, good night, or, you know, all that. So I think what he could do is he could walk 
around with her. Because this is what I do with Kadeem. Kadeem never understands it. We'll walk places in the neighborhood and I'll say hello to people. And in the beginning, she's like, you know them? And I'm like, no. She's like, you know them? No. Right. But what happens is people get accustomed to seeing you, seeing you in the neighborhood. Right. And they see your woman or the woman you with. They'll take care of your family. Yes. Like, I don't worry about Kadeem when she's walking where we walk because they know that that's my wife. Right. When she's walking home, there's one guy in particular. I don't even know his name. But every time he sees Kadeem getting out the car, he's always like, hey, how you doing? And it's almost like I know if anything would have happened, he would be like, yo, yo. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Watch, that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. DeVal's girl. That's DeVal's wife. Right. And it's important for us to have that community. Absolutely. And it's tough. It, it also, you know, we should find out what part of Brooklyn they're in. Because mm-hmm. Brooklyn has changed. True. You could be in Bed-Stuy uh-huh. and be around old school Biggie type of Brooklyn. <laughs> and then walk one block and then be in like Park Slope type of Brooklyn. Exactly. You'd be like, what in the Connecticut muffin is going on around here? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, but we no, saw a Connecticut muffin pop up. And, and we, we were, were just like, like what? what the hell? Across from the roster spot? You know you what I mean? kidding me. Right. Ain't nobody going to go there. Of course. Close down do. in six months. <laughs> <laughs> the hood rejected Connecticut muffin. Facts. They sure did. But you know what? Also, too, with your girl, we can totally have her bring some of her Southern hospitality up here. Yeah. It's refreshing sometimes to see yes. that. Well, me at least. It's refreshing to see someone, yes. you know, smile and say hello. Yeah. So, sis, don't be discouraged. Don't. Don't You're gonna be discouraged. You're going you're gonna to love the, the nightlife and stuff being open late and... If yeah. you want, you can hit up the jerk chicken spot mad late because you know he's still going to have Facts. his grill out on the side of Flatbush, you know, four o'clock in the morning after the Facts. club. Like, you know, take it for what it is. And you should probably head down to the South, too, to see what she, you know, well, not even the South, but she's in, from Pittsburgh. So right. you can take a look and see what, what's speak, going on over there. If you speak to people in the neighborhood, they'll speak back. Yeah, absolutely. Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. Hey. Baby, baby. Hey. All right. Question number two. Question number two. You want me to read this one? I'll read it. All right. Go ahead. We live in, for some reason, I just like reading out loud today. I don't know. Just school. Jackson's out of school. It's just, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) We live in Virginia Beach, and my wife recently explained to me that she is having a hard time in our marriage because we got married at such a young age, and she feels that she hasn't gotten to figure out what she really wants in life and that she lives in my shadow because she sees me coming home from work and feeling fulfilled. Ooh, this sounds so familiar. Mm, Been there. Meanwhile, she hates her job. How do I support her? figuring this out i'll let you answer this speak one to us why don't you it's funny because we've had uh different phases through our relationship where yes. i did feel like you know what i'd love to be you know at home and just take care of the mm. household and rear the kids and at this point mm, i don't even good. think we only had one child yeah. yeah we didn't have no child we or we didn't have any children no this is the first when i was playing ball still oh yes when deval was playing ball so i felt like he's like you know what i can be at home and be the support that deval's needs yeah. and all that and after about 2.5 seconds of that i was like <laughs> what's my purpose in life i have none i need to find something uh to do for myself so you know it's hard because when you're with somebody especially if i'm not sure how long you guys have been together um but, you know, a lot of your hopes and dreams and aspirations become each other's. So I would say encourage her not to lose sight of what that is. Um, it's hard sometimes as an as a individual when you're with somebody and growing in a relationship. You kind of feel like sometimes you, you kind of take a backseat, you know. But also, too, in a relationship, you have... Um, there's like ebbs and flows. So at one point, you may be thriving in your career. She may have to take a backseat to be the support system right. you need at home. And then vice versa. The tide will shift. Right. Um, but I think the biggest thing for you helping her through this is trying to help her figure out what it is she wants to do. You know, if she's miserable in her job, is it just the job itself? Is it her career choice? Um, and how you can be able to help her get to that next level, whatever it is. I mean, DeVal was very vocal about 
not allowing me to sulk in my sorrows and being like, hey, if you really want to do X, Y, Z, how can we make this happen? How can I assist you in that? Um, so, yeah, it is hard. But I did learn some things, though. You did? Yes. What did you learn? I learned this. Okay, gentlemen, a lot of men have a superhero guy complex where we feel like we can solve all of our women's problems. Mm-hmm. We fucking can't. <laughs> Sometimes you have to just sit back and say, babe, figure it out. Tough because love. what happens? No, no, it, it, seriously. It's like it is, a, yeah, it it's a level love. of tough love. Because this is her life. It's her purpose. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in her life and her purpose will not involve you at, at all. all. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I remember when, and one time in particular, it's 2007. I'm making a lot of money. You're at home. We have our own apartment. I'm like, yo, I'm doing this. I'm this this man thing I'm doing, and my wife is taken care of. She's kept. Yeah. I come home. Kadeen's sitting in the dark with no TV on. <laughs> I remember and I'm like, that. I'm like, yo, what is wrong with you? And she's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm just here. No. I'm here sitting. I'm just here. I got my degree. I'm here just sitting. Exactly. So I took I her shopping. Used to remember? Doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. We went shopping. We went to whatever Northville Mall. Yeah, somewhere I spent a in ton Michigan. of money. Mm-hmm. She was all happy, right? For 2.5 seconds. Two days later. <laughs> I, I still have nothing, but now I have a Fendi bag. <laughs> ah. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Um, what do you want to do? Like, and, and it's really the road to finding happiness in yourself. You cannot exactly. rely on your spouse or your significant other to be your sole source of happy. Right. Because if that's the case, right. you're going to be left disappointed time and time and time again. And But so, for men, but that's part of the problem, though. Because his question is a great question. How can I support right. her? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because we have to find ways to support you guys. But a lot of times in supporting, supporting doesn't mean doing the work. Supporting means sometimes falling back, not being a crutch and saying, this is what you want. Go get it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you have a job interview? Okay, I'll make sure you get there on time, but go do it. Because her her doing that in herself on her own may be so fulfilling and she'll realize, like, this is what I meant to do. So sometimes that support system is falling back and let her just be a woman and, and be herself and... And just be like, be there for her. Be a be yeah. an ear to listen to and don't say nothing. And it, <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. But I mean, every, everyone, regardless if it's man, woman, relationship or not, you are constantly working to figure out what your purpose is. Yes. Some people know right off the bat. Like Takia yes. said early on, you know, with her, she knew off the bat after her experience at 20 years old that this was yeah. going to be her path. Yeah. Some people have to take the scenic route to getting to that purpose. And that just may be where your girlfriend is um, right now. So, yeah. You know, well, it's not girlfriend, not your, your wife because you they are married. Funny? They're married. We didn't even point out, and I can't believe I missed this, right? They said they got married at a young age. Mm-hmm. And she says now in their marriage, she feels like she wants to find her purpose. You know what probably happened? She probably felt like being a wife was going to fulfill her purpose. Mm-hmm. And now she's a wife. Right. And it's like, okay, what's next? What's next? Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And the thing is, as men, we don't have that. We don't have that. Like, that isn't socially conditioning, conditioned for us to feel like, what? oh, I want to become a husband. Ah. Uh, you see what I'm saying? For a, for a woman, it's almost like a prize. Oh, you're someone's wife. And, and well, not necessarily. Not, I think I think that there's some men who pride themselves in being a husband and being yeah, able but, to provide. But and then about, some women don't aspire to be wives or married either. I get that. But what I'm saying is, is think about how we condition our young men and young women growing up. Right. For prom women, you for, for prom, you wait for a, a boy to ask you to prom. Right. True. To get engaged. You wait for the guy to propose. Because I sure as hell ain't getting down on one knee. You see so, what I'm saying? Uh, so as much as you can right. have this woman hear me roar moment. I'll get down on both knees, the but truth, not one. Oh, see, this is why, and, that's, and that right there is why I got down <laughs> on we, my and knee. And why we got you babies. You little nasty And ass. why we need um, to <laughs> But I know. <laughs> but you're funny. But um, it, it's true. 
You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we've conditioned our women to feel like you feel fulfilled when you be asked on a date or you get engaged or you get married. And for some women, like you said, that's not fulfilling. Right. I need other things. Absolutely. And maybe that's what they need to have a conversation and find out. Like, right. what else do you want to do? And what it, else do you want to do, sis? Yeah. And be open about it. Absolutely. And if you want to be featured as one of our listener letters, email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. That is D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com if you want to hear from us. Yes. And now it's time for the moment of truth. Kadeen. Yes, sir. This episode was greatly about you. Pretty so much. I'll let you go first. I had all the babies. Yes, you had them. You did your, it. I sure did. With you by my side. Yes. So talk to me. What's your moment of truth for today? <sighs> I think after talking to Takia, having experienced her care, having had uh, pretty much a extensive portfolio of different types of childbirth and labors and stuff with our three boys, my biggest takeaway or my biggest moment of truth would be for any woman to ensure that you are being your own advocate. And that means doing your due diligence with your research, knowing exactly what you want, having a birthing plan, having a pregnancy plan. Um, Sometimes pregnancy come up unexpected. But in that, once you do know you're pregnant, just make sure that you're doing your due diligence so you can figure out what it is exactly you want. And naturally, sometimes, you know, Mother Nature kicks in. There may be complications that Mm -hmm. arise. But the most gratifying and the most calming thing is to know that you have 100% um, confidence in the person that you choose to be alongside you on this journey, meaning whether it's a midwife or it's an OBGYN, um, whatever route you decide to take, make sure that you are your own advocate. You speak up for what you want. Um, you are rely on them to be that source of expert opinion and expert knowledge, but be vocal about what it is you want out of your experience Um, because it's a major time in life and having a baby is life-changing with each child it gets to be a different experience every pregnancy is different every labor is different every delivery is different Um, so just making sure that you have that autonomy over yourself over your body and over your care i um listen to you speak about it as a woman it seems so commonplace to you Mm -hmm. because you speak about care and right i have a different take on it right right? is your moment of truth having to deal more with like a man's perspective as a father no because i know a lot of guys talk to you about it no my moment of truth is all about women there is a divine esoteric being about being a woman Mm -hmm. right women are the vessel that bring forth life into the world Mm -hmm. think about that right if you take even with modern science, you take all of the, the sperm, all of the eggs, right? You get rid of all of the men in the world. You can still create life because you have women. Mm-hmm. That's the vessel. Mm-hmm. You get rid of all the women and you have men. We can't do shit, right? <laughs> I don't think people want to admit that, that there's something divine about being a woman. And I think it's important that we remember that, especially when it comes to childbirth. The fact that you can bring life into the world, we have to take more care and more take heed to how important it is to understand how valuable the women's reproductive system yes. is and the ability to, to, to bring in life, how important that is for humanity. Absolutely. That outside of race, outside of anything, for just for humanity. Just for humanity and if women. We, if we want yeah. to continue to exist, we need Women And we need to take care of them, take care Absolutely. of ourselves. We have to know our rights. Absolutely. We have to have autonomy over 
our Absolutely. bodies. Absolutely. And you took over my moment of truth. I'm sorry. But I don't mind because... I'm passionate about I, it. Exactly. And I don't mind because this is about women. Right. And I think that we all need to realize. As and much I love as you we, for supporting me every single pregnancy. No, absolutely. And Deval did so much research on his own. Every single time I've had a baby and wanted to do something different, he did his own research when it came to the home birthing, finding a midwife. Yes. He was actually bringing me information and statistics. So it was definitely a dual yes. partnership all the way. He's like, if we're going to do this together and I'm going to be supporting you, I want to make sure I understand what's happening with your body to the best of my ability. You know why? Which I respect about you as a man. You know why? Do you know what it's like to look at the person you chose to bring forth life into the world and not know if you're going to see them when they come out of that room? Yeah. I've been there before. Yeah. I've been there. That means a lot to me. When I when I watched you go in there and say that, wow, this is the sacrifice she's making to help me bring forth life, continue my legacy. We talk a lot about equality in this world. There's nothing equal about being a man or a woman. There are things that women can do that men cannot do. And we have to take heed to that. All right, now. Look at him trying to get me to have another baby. That's all this is about, guys. Damn, you got me. This you is got all me. this is about. Deval's just so like, maybe I can get one tonight? more. I, absolutely not. Okay. I told you to, to keep it my IUD in. So forget everything and I just I said, And I will go check for my strings. <laughs> 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 Be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, I am Kadeen. I am on Instagram. And I am Deval. That's I-A-M-D-E-V-A-L-E on Instagram, Twitter, and also Facebook. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, because we love to hear feedback, what you like, and what we can improve on. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button that when we do, a new episode automatically downloads to your phone. Automatic. I'm all about the automatic download. You know, that's the way it's there, and I can listen, and all that good stuff. Deadass. Deadass. We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. We have a podcast going on right now as part of the Stitcher Network called The Distraction. That's available everywhere you get your podcast at uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction. Right now. It's out. Do it, please.